to the Her Influence podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Her Influence podcast. I'm Kathy Ostapchuk, and I'll be your host today. So excited to have you with us. Uh, We are in the season of Advent. We're thinking of all of the things, perhaps leading up to this point, that we've lost (laughs) during the pandemic. But we also have the opportunity to think of all of the things that we have gained, and particularly Emmanuel, God with us, which is the greatest gift ever. I'm so thankful that Compassion Canada is our partner for this season, and I'll tell you why. They have a gift guide that is fresh out for this Advent season. And if you're thinking um, of a way to make this particular Christmas season meaningful and perhaps bring some joy not only to yourself but others, I would say give the gift of compassion. And I'll be telling you a little bit at the break about some of the things that you can do Let's be honest, so much is different this year, and I'm sure in your inbox, starting it's starting to fill up with emails from charities asking you for help. There's a lot of need, especially in a year when a global pandemic has hit so hard. For many people, both here in Canada and around the world, this Christmas is going to be very different, but we cannot let the pandemic, COVID-19, stop our efforts to end poverty. And so keep listening um, as we move forward in this podcast, and I'll tell you some amazing ways that you can be part of the solution to global poverty. So for this episode, what are we going to be listening to? Well, I'm going to bring you back to A Seat at the Table, which launched on November 6th. It was our digital online gathering of leaders from across the nation. And we were talking about championing truth, challenging inequity, and how do we change our nation and change our world? And so we're going to park there today. How do we change our nation? You know, so much of us have um, found ourselves sort of immersed in technology in this season because we've nowhere else to go. So we've gone online for a lot of things, for entertainment, for information, for knowledge. Is that necessarily a good thing? Is technology, is innovation, is digital presence a good thing for the church? And how can we use it to change our nation and to shape our future moving forward? So we had a panel discussion with some Canadian leaders on this topic who had some real relevant, not only point of views, but information to help us navigate this whole whole digital presence. Should the church have one, how can that be used to really further the gospel? So I want to introduce you here to James Kelly. James is founder and CEO of Faith Tech a global community of tech enthusiasts for Jesus. I love that. The work of Faith Tech has been mentioned in the New York Times, Wired Magazine, and Christianity Today. And James himself has spoken live over 350 times from remote villages in South Sudan to Google headquarters in Silicon Valley. He's been featured on 100 Huntley Club, 700 Club, and Faith Today. James is married with two young children and lives in Waterloo, Canada. Can't wait to hear him on this panel. And then Joanna LaFleur, who is a friend to gather and I'm sure known to you 
if you have been part of the Gather World at all. She is a speaker, podcaster, TV host, and digital expert. With business and theology degrees, she's been helping the local church communicate the best news in the world for over 15 years. You can catch her interviews with Christian creatives and communicators on the Word Made Digital podcast, weekly communication tips and Word Made Digital tutorials, and her Bible teaching on the national TV show, See, Hear, Love. Joanna has traveled to 37 countries in search of coffee and calls downtown Toronto home. So she brings some great insight to this panel. And then we've got Tim Day, sort of maybe not in the area of technology, but he's definitely in the area of the church. And he is bringing the goods in terms of information that you need to know. Tim Day is the director of City Movement Canada. He's also supporting the launch of Waybase.com, a new platform that helps Christian ministries and individuals partner together to increase their impact in our cities and our nation. He's the author of God Enters Stage Left, a creative retelling of God's story. And he is married to Liz and has three children, Nathan, Rachel, and Josh. So he is just going to be really filling our minds with information about the church in these days and what's relevant to us making decisions moving forward. And then last but not least, Ruth Mullen will be joining us on this panel. She's an instructional design designer at D2L, Desire to Learn, a growing tech company in Kitchener, Canada. She's the former director of Faith Tech Toronto, and Ruth tackles topics on digital addiction, social media, theology of work, and much more. And Ruth is also a history nerd, and she knows a lot of meaningless facts about pockets, the pyramids, and the Vikings. So you can see on the show notes that uh, we will give you um, how to connect with these amazing panelists. I'm sure you will want to following this uh, discussion. And so we talk about um, digital, digital church and innovation. How can we actually use it to change our nation and change the world? Why is the information that we get online, such as from Waybase, so important for us to know? And how do we use or not use our, our accessibility to social media, even our phones, in a way that is God-honoring. So I'm so excited to have you listening to this podcast, and I'll see you soon. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to this conversation with this illustrious panel. It's interesting how all of the intersections of the platforms and the ministries that they represent are coming together in this moment. We're in a digital church age, of course, and so we've got Ruth Mullen and James Kelly that represent that sphere of influence. We've got Joanna LaFleur with us who deals in communications and also digital church, and Tim Day who is so passionate about the church in Canada and is doing great work curating and collecting information for the Now Church and Future Church. So welcome to you all. Thanks, Kathy. It's great to be here. So glad to have you here. It's an honor, actually, and I'm excited for everyone that's listening into this conversation at the end of what's been an amazing day. Maybe get some a little bit, maybe get a little bit of clarity and start to draw some conclusions about, okay, what is it for me that maybe I can respond to? What is it for me that I can switch up? What do I need to wait for? What do I need to move quickly on. And so I'm excited to close this day with this conversation. And Tim, I'm hoping it's okay if I start with you. You are uh, the collector of all 
all the information it seems that we can grab when we need it, especially now for what's going on in the Canadian church in COVID. And we're, we heard um, some of the things that you presented to us earlier. I guess I'm wondering, as you did the research, what was a surprise to you? And also, what was something that surfaced that you thought, wow, this is so significant that if we don't pay attention to this, this is going to change the game for the Canadian church? Uh, yeah, thanks, Kathy. Some things are not surprising in the research in terms of people switching online. Uh, I think everybody recognized that, that to survive pretty much across the board, everybody had to switch online. That's not surprising. I also think people being cautious about coming back into in-person gatherings is not surprising either. I think I think people want to be responsible and safe, and they're weighing a lot of things. I think the thing that surprised me the most was how much economic impact is being felt right across the board. Small, medium, large churches, rural, all provinces, that the 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 economic impact is universal. That's not just in hard hit provinces or cities, but it's a universal. Now, some people are doing better and, you know, because of their particular context, people are rallying behind them. But that's really the rare exception. The vast majority are just trying to tread water or they're, or they're fa- facing a very, very significant economic impact, like 10 to 30% down, which we've never seen before in our history. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to recover from that either uh, over like real quickly. And I think that's not a church thing. That's a Canadian economy thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a sobering thought because when we think about the church flourishing and we're just treading water, that's a huge gap that's being created. So that is something to think about. And Joanna, you kind of left a very secure environment (laughs) where you were at a large church doing communications and you took a risk and went out on your own to support the church in Canada and globally to support the digital church. And I guess I'm wondering, what have you discerned skills church leaders will need or anyone communicating the gospel? um, What skills will they need in this day and age digitally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think one of the reasons I, I left that church job and took the leap is because I'd learned so much about what the church needs in the digital world in this one place and thought there are thousands of churches across the country that need help. And what could I do with what I've learned in one place to, to support and leverage that across the nation and, and, and maybe even beyond? So the, the thing that I talk about a lot is digital first, but not digital only. So what I mean by that is the first place we should communicate, the first place that we have the most clear information and the first place we think to even meet with someone would be digitally, but not digital only as in that we would then support that with, you know, literally if it's communication, we would talk about a printed item or something people still get in the mail. People love getting mail or, you know, those face-to-face interactions that cannot be replaced by the digital experience. Um, And so we're thinking digitally first, but it isn't the only place that we want to interact. And so, I mean, in short, there's so much that people need to learn. I think that's if Rich Birch was in this, he comes from unseminary, all the things you didn't learn in seminary as a leader. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about the setup and the lights and the mics and the cameras and just even all the things you need to have a basic setup to start reaching and communicating with people online. Um, people need even just basic training and how to set up a home studio, film themselves, uh, what gear to buy and how to save money. 
those are the first things I think of. Yeah. And that is so helpful because so many of us are scrambling because we're out of our comfort zone. We were quite comfortable live on the spot in the moment with the live feedback, but now we're having to create really important messages, but do it in a way that um, we need help with. So I appreciate that you offer that. But given that you said that it's not meant to replace some of the other ways that we show up to each other, I think of the phone, (laughs) which has almost always been replaced by texting, by social media, by WhatsApp, by so many other forms of communication. And I'm wondering, Ruth, if you could speak to that, like what has been replaced that maybe has become a little bit of a problem, a little bit of an addiction for us, as so many of us have recently watched that documentary, The Social Dilemma. Could you speak to that? Sure. I think, I mean, as a society, we, we especially in varying levels of lockdown, we've gone to social media as a way to build community. And so it's really easy to, even in our churches, build community online and accidentally make that our dependency, our identity begins to come from that. And so I think like the social dilemma did a really great job of giving us the common language and accurately outlining what's going on. And I think everything that they outlined is is not only in the world, it's also in the church. And we're we're wrestling with it just as much as this is, the world is. And I think even though some generations aren't as susceptible or as drawn to social media, I've seen people in their 70s addicted to Facebook. And so I don't think just assuming it's an under 40 problem, I think it's real. And I think what would be really cool is as a church, if we start talking about this as a relationship instead of an inanimate object, that it's I, I have a relationship to my phone because it's responding to what I give it and it's giving back and I'm responding to what it's giving back to me. And so if we start talking and teaching on like, how do I interact with the relationship of my phone instead of um, this is just an object that's over there that I like TV, like we joke about watching too much TV, but there's no relationship with TV. Um, And our phone and our app sometimes are the, like have more intimate relationships with us than people do sometimes they know more. And so how are we navigating that? How are we, how are we making sure identity doesn't come from that and being dependent on God in the process? Yeah. And I, I'll just add to that. We, we've done a few faith tech events recently and we'll ask people, we'll go, how would you define your relationship with technology? And we give a whole list, right? So we'll say, you know, um, on again, off again, you know, it's complicated, mm-hmm. you know, or like we're, we're in breakup stage right now. Um, but the one that always comes to the top is I define my relationship with technology as a love-hate relationship right? Mm -hmm. And it's actually really insightful when we start doing and thinking this way, like Ruth is saying, is that, you know, we're using these technologies, like the amount of time we spend on our phones, on our laptops, and especially since COVID, which was like, blew everything up, right? It was like, okay, the entire global church has to now figure out how to leverage technology to be the church. Um, that framework is really important to just step back and say the way we're interacting with these things is an extension now mm-hmm. of, uh, of our identity. And when you actually think that way, now we start bringing in gospel principles around identity, right? And so this is where I think the church and pastors and leaders have this huge opportunity to say, look, we know identity theology really well. Point mm-hmm. you to Christ, 
pointing to the gospel, your identity rests in that. But then taking technology as the leading analogy, the, the leading motif of society on how we understand ourselves and the way we present ourselves and the way we think about ourselves. You know, let's really think deeply now and start looking at the theological pieces and bring it into this technology motif. And I don't even need to explain to you all the pieces of that. All I need to tell you is you have, as ministry leaders, as pastors, this deep understanding of identity and who we are. But now we need to teach our people practically how technology is now impacting that more than almost anything we've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. Wow, another sobering thought. And James, I'm going to have you speak into some of the opportunities that technology and innovation can bring. But I'm sensing that, you know, what has been replaced in terms of our interaction is not just relationship, but you are saying it's actually our core identity. And mm -hmm. where our identity is so t tightly wound to technology, that gives me lots to think about. So what if we know that people are leaving the church during COVID because the online church isn't doing what it needs to do, does that mean that they may not have had a strong relationship with the church before COVID? Maybe, Tim, you can answer that. Yeah, I think one of the things, and this isn't just the church, anybody who has online community, um, I'll give you an example, professional sports. One of the things that they've discovered is if people aren't in the stands and there's no community event around it, people don't feel like watching it as much. Mm -hmm. And so they all thought that the NBA was about basketball until they didn't have anybody in the stands and there's no community experience at local pubs where they all watch the game. And all of a sudden, the viewership just dropped like a rock. Mm -hmm. So then you're saying, well, is the NBA, what is the NBA about? Well, it's actually humans, people were created by God to be about relationship. And the activities that we do together are a basis for getting together for relationship. The activities themselves are not the draw. The relationship is the draw. The activity just gives us a, something to do while we're together, something to talk about while we're together. And I think one of the challenges for the churches, and this is maybe for pastors listening or church leaders listening, or, or just people in within the church, we can think that Sunday morning is the draw. And when we switch that to online and there's no community experience, but also it doesn't, it, it feels kind of hollow. It doesn't feel the same. I'm not sure why I don't feel as drawn. Well, it's, it's because, uh, and you know, uh, more liturgical churches have a, 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 like maybe a mass that they share together. Um, a more charismatic churches, maybe it's the worship experience that really engages them. Maybe for a ministry that is more focused on preaching of the word and teaching is really strong. But if you take out the actual lived experience of being together with people and talking, talking on the way in, debriefing afterwards in the shared experience, it, it isn't what it used to be. And I think for us as leaders, this is a moment for us to have a little bit of a, like an aha moment and to realize we have to find ways to bring people together to do community. And even if that's in a smaller way, that in a sense, what we thought was the main course and then what were some like nice little appetizers, it might actually be flipped. That the main course is the love we share between each other. And then the learning experience or the worship of God or the, the things that we share together as a part of that is actually 
you know, set in the context of that, but it's not the main thing. If that, can I say that? Does that sound bad? But yeah. I think that's what we're discovering. And so I would say in any of our gatherings, how do you facilitate relationships? Because if they don't have it, oh, coming in and connecting and relating, even if it's like we get together first for Zoom calls, like the Zoom call, we start with breakouts. And then we get something to talk about. Then we break back out into groups. And then we have a way that we connect through the week and we check in and we have a, a webbing of relationships that actually become real and personal and intimate. If it's just about me being in the stands watching a basketball game, I might not watch. Yeah. And that, you know, so anyways, that's, that's what I think is at the heart of this. And it's not just the church. This is being found all over the place. This is like in all sectors. So good. I mean, I think I miss like the coffee moments at church, maybe more than actual church. So Joanna, something to add to that? Yeah, well, I mean, back to maybe what you asked me in the beginning, what do people need in this new era? It's high emotional intelligence, as well as that digital skill set, uh, like digital savvy of how to plug in a mic. <laughs> um, because typically the senior leader of a church has been hired and a position to be an executive leader who is also a teacher, a Bible expositor, but in a digital world where I can get the best preaching from the last hundred years on my phone, anytime I want from anywhere in the world, how can the local guy or gal compete with that? They, they really can't, but they can compete quote unquote, if they are emotionally intelligent and understand how people work, how do people connect? They're people. What right? is it that we like need to get people. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I think with social media, we've created this um, false false vulnerability, and so we're all used to wearing the the pretty good looking mask, and we don't know how to be vulnerable in community anymore. And so, I think it's worth it to actually explicitly teach how to make friends, how to have as like social conversation, especially when now we're not used to the only people we talk to on Zoom are colleagues or family now or friends. We don't talk to strangers, so we need to be reminded, what does a small talk look like? What does building friendship look like? What's healthy vulnerability that's not bleeding, but you're also like, this is a safe person. I can talk with them. And, and how do I bring that into community? And I think that's social media affecting our interpersonal relationships, and we need to start explicitly talking about it. Yeah, this is so good. I mean, you've talked about the fact that we're actually in a time of discovery, and we need to relearn what it means to be vulnerable <laughs> again mm. and rediscover so much in this time. So I just want to take a little moment here in the middle of this amazing panel discussion to give you some more information on the gifts of compassion. Compassion Canada has designed its annual gift guide to ensure that children living in poverty survive the pandemic and thrive through a lifetime. So this is really a long-term goal. Compassion's gift guide is beautiful. It's filled with meaningful and practical gifts that are locally sourced and chosen by local staff that know the needs in their communities. Before COVID-19, too many children already lived without sufficient nutrition, clean drinking water, adequate shelter, and access to education and healthcare. And now the crisis is pushing millions deeper into poverty. So this year, Compassion Canada invites you and your friends and family to give a gift that meets real needs head on. And how can you find out more about what you can choose and ways you can choose to give? You just go to compassion.ca slash gifts, compassion.ca slash gifts. 
I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the very specific gifts at the end of this podcast, but we just want you to keep listening and we'll talk to you at the end. James, I'm wondering if you can speak further to what are the opportunities um, if we leverage and steward what technology and innovation in this time in history has brought to us? Yeah, man, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, um, like, in the faith tech world, we're often talking about innovation, new technologies, new technologies. Well, some of my favorite projects that we've done in, in the world of faith tech are really simple things. Um, and that's, to me, what's some of the most powerful things is looking at what you have right in front of you and figuring out a way to, to leverage that simply. So um, I know even personally, for me, I had I hit a moment uh, in COVID this was maybe a couple months ago where I was like, oh, like, I feel like there's this temptation of like, oh, you've got to build this bigger presence, this social media presence. People are always like trying to get that as big as possible and trying to connect with as many people as possible. And I was like, okay, I'm going to ignore all of that. And I wrote a list of 10 people. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pray for these 10 people every day. I'm going to shoot them text messages. I'm like, I use the technology of texting, you know? And I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to text them a word from scripture or just to say, I'm praying for you. And I'm going to hyper-focus on a handful of people, you know? And then I thought, man, what if, what if the church could call its people to say, how could you, how could you have your micro team that you're just investing everything into right now? And then, and then leverage little pieces of technology, like, social media, like text messaging, like little things like that. And I think we're at this moment right now where, you know, I'm still a big proponent of innovating and trying new things. Our our community is always going to be doing that. But I think there's this temptation that like the only solution has to be some massive thing that like their light bulb appears or I get hit over the head. And it's like, God has given us this amazing technology that's around us right now. And it's, and it's in, in, in many ways, it's simple. And I think what our need, our calling is to say, okay, in the middle of this devastation, I like this phrase that kicked off Faith Tech for me, was in the midst of devastation, there's an opportunity for innovation. And it rhymes, you know? So you're kind of like, come on, it, did it have to rhyme? But, you know, they stick with you. So anyway, it's, it sticks with me. And it's, it's just this concept to say in the middle of this really difficult moment that we're all in, that we're feeling emotionally, there's this like low grade of depression that I feel like everybody I meet has right now. And we're just feeling like the only way we're going to get out of this is some huge thing or some massive renewal that's going to, it's like, stop, like, just look at yourself and be like, okay, I got a Bible. I got the people that God's entrusted to me around me. And I got some really cool little pieces of technology that help me communicate that gospel and that love to them and just stop and start there. And I think that's, man, that's, I think what we need more than anything right now. So that's Kathy. That's my big innovative idea. I love that. If I can jump on that and, you know, piggyback on what James is saying, there is uh, like one of the things that's happening for a lot of people is this kind of like stress turning into, I heard this phrase, doom scrolling. And basically Mm. what's, what they're finding is that under stress, the humans emotionally start scanning for danger. 
unconsciously. And so scrolling through feeds is kind of like looking for, is anything bad happened today mm-hmm. unconsciously? So they're like the um, tendency to overcheck news, overcheck different feeds, go through multiple feeds. Has anything happened? Is there something going on with the election? Is there something going on with COVID? Is there something going? And, and they're just scanning all the time. And this is a fear mechanism that is about trying to protect ourselves. But when you come into, you know, take, like you said, what does God offer us in this moment, which is um, God has not given us a spirit that makes us slaves again to fear, but a mm. spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, right, from Romans 8. And so can we find that security and then actually become a voice, a, a calming voice mm. in the midst of the stress, not ourselves living in fear, but just using simple things, like you said, checking in on people, praying for people. How are you doing? paying attention when you're going down the street is there a neighbor that just is out is out a lot on their porch you know what i mean and just wants to talk like where can you just start to branch out and the technology can still help us but it's mm-hmm. it's totally fueled with a different purpose which is this is how i check in with people see how they're doing mm-hmm. find out how to pray how to love we have somebody drop by just came by and dropped off like some baked goods in a socially distance appropriate way and i'm like that those that those like little thoughts of kindness mm-hmm. just being a, a multiplied right now i think could be really powerful so i love what you're saying there james yeah i love it too because this conversation is supposed to be about digitalization and innovation and technology but all of you have said it's just about being human and i think the higher emotional intelligence and empathy and compassion um the further we can steward these resources to the betterment of all. So I really appreciate your points of view. So as we kind of start to close this, um, I know that you've had a lot of time to process. I mean, you're leading in very significant ways. You're putting messaging out there. Uh, You are very adaptive to change. And we know that 85% of the population are risk averse and problem Mm. solvers, and they like to keep the status quo. So here we are in this environment where somebody's got to lead the way and it takes as long as it takes, but does the church have the luxury of waiting too long before it changes and adapts? So I'd love you to speak to that maybe in a closing comment and then what about the gap? Like, are we leading? Are we lagging behind? Who needs to lead? How should that look? Something that's going to set us on our cor- uh, on a course into future church. If you can inspire us, give us some information that would kind of get us on a path that encourages us mm. that we can do it. Ruth, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, well, I like a year ago, I really dug into like, what does God think about Facebook? Because I God, internet is not in the Bible. Technology, I thought, was a pretty recent invention. And a resource that's been really helpful is uh, John Dyer's book, From the Garden to the City. Um, and he's part of the faith tech community as well. But his book was just teaching, like, here is how technology has been all throughout the Bible. It was in the garden. It was um, used in the Tower of Babel. It was part of the building of the ark. It was used in writing the Ten Commandments. And And when I realized that, it changed my entire understanding of interacting with God on tech. And that, honestly, I think the more we can talk about that and the more, not just on the humanizing and the the identity side, but the more we can say, God's not afraid, God's not 
God's still using, God's always used technology. That was mm. honestly such an important shift mindset for me um, so that I could even start talking to God about it. Cause I just was stuck. I was like, there's the don't use, or there's the like get stuck and be trapped in it. And I didn't know how to navigate the conversation in the middle. Wow. Yeah. I mean, everything is really sacred, right? It's, it's how we use it, even technology. So thanks for kind of bringing those two together. Joanna, what about you? Some closing thoughts on have we fallen behind or can we really lead the way? Yeah, I don't think that church is ever leading the edge of cool or technology. I mean, at, at its most basic, you need a lot more money than the church has to do some of that. So I think that the wisest thing to do is see what's working and copy it. Uh, innovate, create. So really quickly, Barstool Sports as uh, a company where they had all these people talk, talking about sports online, YouTube stuff. And then, of course, all the sports stopped in March. So what they did was they said, well, if you guys don't want to lose your jobs, everybody go home. Here's a camera. Here's some basic setup. And we want you to just create content and like reach the people and go for it. And I just think, what would it look like if a church had said in March that exact same thing? Mm-hmm. Well, pastors, we trust you. We love you. Here's a camera. Or here's your iPhone. Off you go. Create content. Do a study in Ephesians. You know, create crazy, hilarious stuff for the youth. And like, hey, if we if we disagree, just like on barstool sports, they sometimes disagree with like the senior guy. Uh, then like, let's get on each other's channels and talk about our disagreement and show each other how to do that in a healthy way. I think that there's lots of examples of ways that the church can just copy what's working and not be embarrassed to do it because we ain't got the money to invest like those people do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good. Really good. James, what about you? Oh, it's so interesting, Joanna, because I, I think I'll bring the other side of that. Um, so to me, the other side of that is I, I deeply believe from a theological standpoint that we worship the creator, the creator of the universe, the creator of the world, the creator of humans, super weird and intricate and crazy we are right but he created all of this and if you look at that picture that is the greatest innovation the universe the world humans right and so as believers i think we've actually got an edge on the world in that we worship the creator who can then teach us and show us things that only he he decides to and i think he can actually instill in us this this heart of innovation to do things that the world would look at very strangely, um, which is in our DNA. We're, like you said, Kathy, we are, we're weird. We're strange. We're not supposed to be cool. Like Joanna, you said, it's like, we're not supposed to be cool. That's not in our blood, man. We're the weird, you know, misfits. That's the Jesus movement, man. But it's in the heart of that weirdness. And it's the heart of, in the heart of that misfitness that I think we can try things that um, that the world would see as strange or that our, our people might even see as strange. And we get to try it because in the card of what Tim said earlier, we're fundamentally, we don't have to fear. Even though there's so much in us that does fear what people think and making mistakes and failing, because we know Jesus, and ultimately if we fail, you know, we get to say, well, Jesus, we were trying to follow you. That's on you. We get to say, okay, we serve the creator and we don't need to fail. Um, and if we fail, we get to really pursue and figure out how to make that better. 
we get, get to just stop. We get to go, okay, how do we try things that we've never tried before? How do we do things? How do we look at our people before us? So I'm really passionate about saying, and I'll end with this, is like, I think each of us as ministry leaders, as pastors, we've been, we're responsible to look at the skills and abilities of the people before us and say, how do we leverage that? How do we help them use those skills to glorify God? And we have the greatest network of talented, creative, innovative people in the whole world. And so I think if we're able to go to them and say, here's the big problems we have, you serve the creator, here's some theological grounding for you, we're going to try some things. We're going to try communicating in a way we've never done before. We're going to try to preach the gospel in a way that's really uncomfortable for us. But we need your help to figure out these problems. Man, let's tap into the in insane creativity that our community has. And I think actually innovate in ways that I think even the world can't. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, I, I love that. Both of you have created such a beautiful bridge between curating, like using what's out there, because so many people say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, go find it. <laughs> you know, it's there. Right. And so Joanna said, like, there are resources available. There are ways to do it. So you curate it. And James, you're saying create it because mm -hmm. we've been given, you know, the mind of Christ. And so it's all open to us. I think the God of Genesis to Revelation, we've been we've become stuck somewhere in there that he's only the God of now, but he's the God of the future and the God of the mm. past. So I love that. Thank you so much. So inspirational. And Tim, bring it home for us. Um, I love everything that's been said. And, and I hope everybody's just absorbing all the different pieces because all the pieces that you need have already been said. Let me just close with one illustration um, that stands with me. And it is about this change process. Um, if you go back and look at um, the rise of Amazon, now the most powerful company probably in the world, arguably the richest person in the world, um, and during COVID is just going through the roof. If you go back to its founding, the year before COVID or before Amazon launched, Jeff Bezos in his garage with a loan from his mom and dad, you know, delivering some books, you know, out of his garage in a startup. Year before that, Sears, and some of you may have heard me say this before, Sears laid off all of their home delivery staff, about 60,000 home delivery and shut down their catalog business. They had the largest home distribution center in North America. They've been doing it for 100 years, but their eyes were focused on Walmart, and Walmart was killing them. And so instead of looking at the future, they're looking at their competitor. And instead of seeing their opportunity, they were trying to you know, um, go head to head with Walmart mm. and they completely missed their moment. Mm. Um, I can give you another similar example. Netflix had, um, you know, uh, Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix for $10 million right. and uh, didn't see the opportunity in it. Right. <laughs> and I would say this to the church. We have the largest care network in the world. We have a massive infrastructure for what the world needs in terms of community. All the buildings zoned for community. Right. We are the best. We have more churches than gas stations. We have, uh, you know, our, our staff is almost the size of, of the governments, federal and provincial combined. The thing is, we're just not seeing our, you know, I would say our challenge in this moment right now is to see our opportunity.
the world is facing a community crisis and people are isolated and alone and they're looking for a place that can help them figure out their relationships and their community, give them hope and give them a sense of security. And we are that home delivery system. Like we're the most distributed workforce in Canada, the most culturally diverse. But right now we could have our eyes set on the wrong thing and miss our moment. And the technology like this is like, what did Jeff Bezos do anything innovative about somebody being able to send an order in? No, it was like the simplest, like nothing technology, <laughs> but he had a way of seeing how, what the world needed. And I think for us, if we could just open ourselves to this moment and to realize, hey, like, like you said, yeah, you know, Joanna, you said this, Ruth, you said this, we don't need to be afraid of technology. We don't have to be overly complicated. The tools are already built. They're already being built for yeah. us. But what the tools don't have is, is a, a community like the church using it to carry hope to the world, to offer community and to offer real love and support for people. That's what these tools do not offer. You know, they offer advertising, they offer distraction, they offer entertainment, but they don't offer loving, healing, reconciling community. So I'm like, if we just be who we are, we just have to make a slight adjustment. This is our moment. I think we're literally sitting on our moment. And uh, But the key will be to set, set aside our fear, to set aside our worry, to set aside our low self-esteem. Yeah. And to, you know, give ourselves, and here's my final word, you know, in Isaiah 43, right? He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Yeah. And uh, does anybody know the next line? It springs up before you. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Yeah. And then he goes on to say, I'm making, what does he say? He's making. New way. Away in the desert, way in the wilderness. Away in the wilderness, streams to flow in the wilderness. Yeah. In other words, God does his best work in our worst circumstances. When it feels like a desert, like it feels like a plague, when it feels like nothing is working, that is God's perfect opportunity to do a new thing through his people. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I just want to encourage everybody with that, that, that for as vulnerable as we, we feel, we might actually be in our best. We may look back 20 years from now and say, that was the most unbelievable time of what God did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for those of you listening to this panel, you didn't realize that you're actually going to church, which I feel we just had right now. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And I think we need to make space for the prophets and the seers and, you know, the young men and women dreaming dreams and, and having visions of the future, because I, I, I think that they will lead us into the future. And I want to honor all of you in your places. I want to honor the processing you've done, the reflecting you've done, the messaging that you're getting out. And I think the positivity about the fact that we're called to be ambassadors of Christ. And if that is our why, all we need to do is find out how. And you're giving us that. And so I really appreciate you spending time with us today. And bless you all. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gabby. Thank Gabby. you. Well, I certainly learned a lot on this panel discussion. I learned that my phone is actually not my identity. And for so many of us, this has become so true in our lives that our phone has become a relationship uh, because we wanted to get our information from it. We wanted to keep up to date and also sometimes escape the reality that has been um, 
invading our world through the pandemic. So lots of good information there. I want you to check out Weightbase and Tim Day to find out um, what you can learn about the information that they have released, the recent research that will be so, so helpful. I wanted to end by thanking Compassion again for being a partner for season four. You know, I was in the gift guide because, of course, I have uh, sponsored Compassion Children for many years. It's one of the great passions and privileges of my life. But even if you wanted to provide something simple like an emergency food pack for a child, it's only $100. A hygiene kit is only $25. To help with rent, rent assistance is $50. And you can go up as far as you want into the 7,000 mark and actually help somebody reconstruct their home or build a washroom. So I encourage you to go to compassion.ca slash gifts and really check out the gift guide. This will really bring meaning, I think, and purpose to uh, a season of life that has been devoid of so much of what um, we are used to experiencing you and not only make you feel good about what you're doing, but also make the world a better place. Thanks for listening. Um, I pray that you use your phone well. (laughs) I pray that you use your social media well. I pray that you know that digital presence is probably a gift to us in this time like no other and it's something that I believe God knows that we can use to steward um, and be ambassadors of his gospel moving forward thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for listening in being part of gather and we'd love you to stay tuned to us subscribe to our mailing list we've got amazing things launching in the new year including our brand new internship program for 2021, our Gather Collective membership platform. Very excited about that. So we are here to equip you, to serve you, um, men and women across the nation of Canada, any way we can. Until next time, take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations. And to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.